0: Joshua chapter 14, if you could turn there, verses 7 through 12. And the story is about Caleb. He was one of the 12 spies, and he's speaking to Joshua, who at that time was his leader. Again, Joshua 14, verses 7 through 12. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh, Bernia, to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you are just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 40 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I am 85 years old. I am strong now, as I won when I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled cities. But in the if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord has said. Amen. So I want to share. When I turned 50, which was seven almost seven years ago, but I thought to myself, fifty years have already passed. And half of my life is gone. And that's by the grace of God that I live to be a hundred. And I look back on my life and I say, What did I waste? What did I waste? And I can remember hearing older people say, you know, treasure every day. Make it count. And probably tonight, if you're young, you're probably like, it's going over here. But time passes fast. And to be able to be here and know that you're doing something great for God, it's awesome. It's so good. I tell you, wasting time. Sister Julie shared that she woke up one day, and normally she's not in a bad mood, but she said this particular day she woke up in a bad mood. And in feeling that way, she tried to go on with her day, but she felt if she continued in that bad mood, she was going to waste a whole day. You know, sometimes we got to think about that. We have unforgiveness. We're, you know, offended with somebody. What a wasted day, and some of us, for some of us, even life. So I would say if Sister Julie mentioned it, don't waste time. Can everybody say, I'm not going to waste time? <laughs> Amen. So there are four things that spoke to me in, Sister, um, in the scripture that Sister Angelica and Helica spoke. Number one, I would like to, for us to look at verses 7 and 8. And the first thing I want to mention is Caleb knew how big his God was. So the question is, do you know how big your God is? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh, Bernia, to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So when I look at that, Caleb was only 40 years old when he went to spy out the land. And back then, he knew who his God was. They had been delivered from Egypt. He had seen miracles. He saw the Red Sea part. So he knew how great his God is. How great his God is. So he wasn't afraid of those giants. So when he saw those giants, ah. My God parted the Red Sea. I got no problem over giants now, right? When he was 40, no problem. I can remember when we were called to the mission field the first time in Indonesia, and we went to visit my parents. My parents, my dad looked online, you know, to check it out, where we were going to go. And he said, do you know you're going to the biggest Muslim nation of the whole world? So he was a little scared for us. But, you know, God had done some stuff in my life. God had restored my marriage, and if you knew my marriage, it was a giant in my life. God kept watch over my children. My son almost died two months before we were asked to where he was missing, and the Holy Spirit told me, the enemy has asked for the life of your son. But I said no. What could I give this God? How great is he to go to a Muslim nation to, and Pastor Esteban knows you can't say Jesus, so they'll arrest you like that. But I knew in my life who my God was. I seen him perform miracles in my life. So for me, it was like, pff, I got no problem. Do you know how great your God is? Do you have giants today that need to be slain? Well, you know what? Your God is that big. Your God is that big. And I'm to testify, he's that great big. There's no giant in any land in your life that's greater than our God. Number two, Caleb was patient. Patient. In verses 9 and 10, so that day Moses solemnly promised me the day of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since moses made this promise even while israel wandered in the wilderness today i'm 85 years old he's 85 that caleb waited 45 years for his promise 45 years and he waited 45 years to even attempt to even ask his leader he waited patiently patiently how many of us i i i see my pastors because of course i'm the administrator you know and i'm my armor bearer for my pastor's wife some people don't even want to wait 15 extra 20 extra minutes to talk to them (laughs) this guy waited 45 years before he even attempted to talk to his leader to say hey wait a minute you promised me something you know sometimes we hold our leaders accountable wait a minute you promised me something. Don't you remember? And it's what? An hour later? Two hours later? What if it was 45 years later? Would you wait that long faithfully? Because as I see him coming before Joshua, he didn't disrespect Joshua. He just said, can you give me what was promised to me? He didn't come out with, hey, I've been out here 45 years in this wilderness with you. Uh, My shoes are dirty and everything else. And Where's my promise? Right? No, he respected his leaders. He respected Joshua because Moses is the one promi- that promised it wasn't Joshua. But he knew Joshua was a man of God, and he was going to honor that promise. So I want to ask you, how patient are you? How patient are you? Number three, I want to talk about vision. And if you look in verses 10b and 11, Today, I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So Caleb's 85 years old, but I see he still has the same vision. He knows who his God is and the vision that God had given him. How many here have gotten a vision and a promise from God before? I know I have. I know I have. 85 years old is now he's still believing in the vision that God gave him. Maybe even I look at him, at 85 years old, your vision, you know, you have to wear glasses and bifocals and, you know. But Caleb didn't let that bother him about his age. He said, I still have the same vision. So I want to share with you something. I mean, I'm talking about age and I'm talking about how old I am. But, you know, sometimes it's not even about how old you are. Sometimes it's about how long have you been saved? How long have you been in the church? How, been, how long have you been sitting in these pews? How long has it been since you came from the UTC? Ooh. Sorry, you could deal with the Holy Spirit about that one. Because I was like, Lord, I don't know. It's not my notes. But if it comes up, if your spirit speaks, I'm going to speak it out. Is we had a time where we said we were sold out for the vision and we went and we separated. We separated. So going to the UC, UTC, there was disciplines that we learned. There was disciplines that we learned. Are we still practicing those disciplines? Because as I look at Caleb, he still is that man who wholeheartedly is serving God. Are you wholeheartedly serving God? Has God promised you something? Has he given you a vision? that still needs to come to pass? Because you know, what what I'm doing is I'm moving, my husband and I are moving and giving other people room to grow. We're being that example of the vision walked out. You UTC graduates, who are you raising up to go to the UTC next? How many do we have registered for the UTC? Are you passing on that vision? Because we need to pass on the vision. People need to see us. So I believe that for um, Caleb, part of why he was, had this vision was because he continued to keep his sword sharpened. He continued to lift his shield of faith. He continued to be strong. And I can tell you, Sister Julie talked to us, pastor's wives, about disciplines, basic, foundation, disciplines. But we need to hear that because I carry my, my disciplines but, you know, it's not just a carrier to walk out your disciplines. You need to grow in your disciplines. You need to grow in your relationship and your prayer life with God. You need to grow in your word. We have opportunity to grow in all those things because, you know what, that will keep that vision fresh. Because Caleb had his vision fresh, and he was ready to go fight even now at 85 years old. And my husband and I, we're not young, but we keep our disciplines and our sword is, our sword is sharpened, and our shield of faith is up there and we're ready to go to fight off those fiery darts of the enemy. Are you? Are you? I pray that we have been that example for you. So the last thing I want to share with you is number four is action. There was action to his vision. There was action to what he had inside of his heart. So in verse 12 it says, So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord has said. Again, it's action. We have to do something. It's not just about saying the vision. it's about walking the vision. Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie, in their ages, they're walking out the vision. They're setting that example. What example are we setting? And I can tell you, I think part of why Caleb stayed the way humble and serving God and doing things, I think part of it was he remembered what it was like to be in Egypt. He remembered being a slave in Egypt. I remember being a slave to sin. I remember being that slave. And you know what? I don't care what it cost me. And somebody says, well, you're, you're already older, Sister Bev, and you already got it. No. It's hard to leave my church. It's hard to leave my kids. It's hard to leave my grandkids. I just found out one of my sisters has hepatitis C in stage four um, cirrhosis. It's hard, but no harder than being a slave to sin. And the first time we left, two of my kids have houses. As I go forward in Jesus' name, as I go forward and reach those people, God is faithful to me. He's faithful to my kids. He's faithful to my family. So I just want to ask you, that Egypt that you walked out on, that Egypt that he picked you up at, that Egypt that he split the Red Sea for in your action, what are you willing to give? So I just thank you very, very much. And again, for the privilege of going to the mission field, once again, I'm going to miss you all.
1: Amen. I love her testimony. If you've never heard her testimony, you need to sit down and talk to her about what God pulled her out of because there was it was nothing but God. It was a miracle. And even to look at Pastor Toby, he's a miracle. He's a product of prayer, of someone standing in the gap and interceding. Amen? Right, Pastor Toby? He is a product of prayer. And so for those who are believing for your unsaved loved ones, especially for those who are married and your husbands are out there, trust God. Get on your knees. Start praying. Start interceding. Start standing on the word of God. Trust God and watch what God can do. Amen? Amen. And our next speaker... I love this woman. All, all of these women have given their their lives completely over to the Lord, um, but this woman, she's we heard from her again testifying. She is a product of our women's home here in Hayward, California. She is a mother of three. She loves Jesus with all her heart, and she's also another armor bearer. She's also another you know woman that I can call, and she's on it. She'll call. She'll answer her phone. Whatever I need, whatever pastor needs, whatever our team needs, she's one of those women that are, we have to tell these women, stop working, go home. That's how much they're ready to serve and so much. They're so so passionate for what God has called them to do. And so she's also an intercessor. And uh, I, I see such a great anointing over this daughter. I see greatness. There's so much more over this daughter that I see that, Man, she's, she, the more she grows, the more powerful. She's a powerhouse in the making. And so I'm so blessed to call her my, my uh, I want to call you my spiritual daughter, but we're like sisters. <laughs> so come on up, Sister Halakha, amen.
2: <laughs> amen. Amen, thank you. Um, I do consider myself a, a daughter because um, I was really young in the Lord when, when my papa passed on. So, yes, I, I call her mama. That's mama for me. Amen. So, um, first of all, I just want to um, thank God for my salvation. You know, I would be nothing without God in my life, right? Nothing. And I, I thank God for the woman's home being open when I came. I thank God for a ministry that had the woman's home for me to answer that so that I could have a place that could deal with me. Because not just anybody could deal with me. Amen. I thank God for my leaders. I thank God even for for this ministry here in Hayward, for Pastor Steve and, and Sister Josie. And I thank God for Pastor Stamon and Sister Chella for my spiritual parents now, that they have invested in me so much. They invest in me all the time, and sometimes it's like, man, I got so much more to give, though. No, man, I feel indebted, indebted. I'm indebted to Christ, but I feel indebted to the ministry. I'm indebted because there's been so much poured into me that I gotta give back. I have to. And um, another, I just wanna also thank my husband Thank you for releasing me at times. Thank you for backing me up at those times, being my partner. Thank you for putting your foot down when you need to with me, uh, and sometimes I need it. Sometimes he's the one that reminds me, "Hello, remember you do, just don't forget." Yes, go ahead, but don't forget you have a family here. Don't forget your children. Don't forget, you know. Don't forget. I like to have my food on the table. And I love it. I love it because he brings me back and I love my family. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you, babe. I love you so much. And um, I thank God also for my children. Amen. They're blessings. They're blessings that grow us at times. But man, those are our first disciples. Amen. Our first disciples. So I'm going to just take a moment to open in prayer. If you guys will just bow your heads with me. Lord, we just Thank you for what you're doing right here, God. I know you're doing something great. That you've ministered to me, you've ministered to your women, and now you're going to minister here. Have your way, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So, if you will turn with me to Numbers chapter 26, verse, and we're going to read verse 33. I'm going to try to start my timer so I could be timely. All right, so Numbers chapter 26, verse 33, and um, all the messages spoke to me. So it was like really hard. I I think uh, there was like a little bit from each one that God was just able to deposit. That He was able to give me something and show me something and and try to bring it together. And so I'm trying to bring it together, but most of of this is coming off of um, Sister Raylene. So don't try to compare me, but if you wanna hear more about what, what I'm sharing here, Sister Raylene, and you could hear it later on the on on YouTube or Facebook or almost anything. <laughs> so Numbers chapter twenty six verse thirty three, and it says, "Okay, please don't judge my the way I I, I read his name." Okay, Zelophiad. Did I say it right? I hope Zelophiad, son of Hefer, had no sons. He had only daughters whose names were Mela, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirsa. So again, son of Hefer had no sons. He had only daughters whose names were Mela, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirsa. Five daughters, no son. Now Now why, you ask? is it so important, and if you even read back a little bit in this chapter, and in in these couple chapters, you just see a bunch of listing of names. Kind of boring, right? You know, it's like when you're trying to read your book, your Bible chronologically, you get bored in that spot. But there's a purpose. There's a reason. And they were keeping track of the people for a reason. They were keeping track of each family and each tribe, and specifically the people that were given a promise amen because as they were multiplied so they were portioned not by common providence but by promise for the honor of divine revelation God will have the fulfilling of the promise an increase and inheritance see these were men that were named in the in in the beginning they were men because only men were named only men could get the inheritance right a- and um, they were the only ones that were going to get what they were promised. And as their names were there, they were the only ones that even were going to be mentioned in here until now. So if, you will also, if you'll just skip over to, to Numbers chapter 26, I'm sorry, 27, and we're going to just go ahead and do a little bit of reading here. So it's just the next chapter over. Very, very simple. It says, The daughters of Zel- Zelophiad son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Mekir, the son of, of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh. son of Joseph, which we just heard about Joseph, right? He's a great leader, and he's one of the two that went into the land and seen, not just giants, but the promise, right? So these daughters, descendants of, jo- of Joseph, here we go. Meeting, so Milka and Tirsa, they approached the entrance to the tent of meeting and stood before Moses, Eleazar, and the priest, the priest, the leaders and the whole assembly, and they, and they said, our father died in the desert. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no son give us property among our father's relatives amen so these are our five women and i believe i believe that this young man he must have been in the home he must have been from the home because he taught his daughters he taught them how to stand up you know what if anything, they, I bet you he taught them even how to hold a sword. They might have been girls that weren't supposed to fight. They might have been girls that weren't supposed to get what, what was coming. They may have been those. They could have been those ones that just married off and just got their inheritance through marriage. They could have done it differently. But I believe because of what was poured into them, because of, of because of their father having that, so much in him, and knowing the legacy, the legacy of Joshua, knowing the legacy of him and Caleb, how they went into that land. No, 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 we're not going to go without our inheritance. No. Yeah, I could just go ahead and get married to someone in my clan and make sure I get at least something. No, they weren't. They weren't satisfied with that. Amen. So these were, these were definitely Victory Outreach women. They stood up. They stood up for what they believed in. They spoke up, not just for the inheritance, but to show the family legacy. And they were game changers. And, it, and when, you, when you actually listen to Sister Raeleen's message, it's the game changers, is her title. And I believe that we are game changers here that our ministry was a game changer in 1967. In 1967, when our ministry exploded, when our ministry started, it was a game changer for many of us even today. That because of 1967 taking place, we're able to have Pastor Steve, Sister Josie come here. We're able to have Pastor Stavon and Sister Chella take over. We're able to live out our legacy. Amen? You see, we're all called, but few are chosen. In order to get into our promise, we must step out. How do we answer? It's easy. We start not just, oh, let me go across the, the country from the mission fields. Oh, let me just, oh, I am going to be a pastor. I want to do this. and." No, it starts on a daily basis. It starts here in our church. It starts in our home, on a daily basis. It starts when we're answering that call when God's calling us to, to spend time with Him. It starts when we say no to sin. It starts when we're able to say no to temptation. It starts when we say no to ourself and our selfish gain. No to our selfish desires. When we're able to say no to the comfortable living. When we're able to say no to just what we want. And it starts when we say yes to Christ. When we're able to say yes to his word. When we're obedient to his word. It's every day when we put God first. When we put him first in our homes. I love how she was sharing. um, She was sharing how how her mother, even though she may not be in the light, she may not be that well known, but because her mother set the atmosphere in her home, she's able to live the legacy. And I believe I I believe that God has something for all of us. We're all game changers here, whether we're from the home, whether we're a ministry children whether we just got saved, whatever it may be. We have a calling, but are we going to answer it? We have something powerful inside of us, something that even just in this ministry, it, it gives you something to stand up for. It gives you something to live for. It gives you a cause. It gives you purpose. And, but we just got to step into it. We got to die to ourselves at times. We got to be the ones to to share with our children that our children could take it and run with it what are we giving our children what are we showing them at home how are we living at home do they see us praying or do they see us complaining this is something that convicted me because even before God's already been showing me that these are my my children are my first disciples those are my first disciples and at times they may see me, you know, being so intentional with other people. But God convicted me even before, and so much more here, that I have to be intentional with my children. How I live in front of them, how I talk in front of them, how I pray in front of them, how I get a hold of God when I'm going through it. Because, yes, I go through it. Yes, sometimes I feel so insecure. Sometimes I feel like I can't make it. Sometimes I want to throw in the towel, but God throws it back, and I just want to say why, why, right? But they see me at home. They see me at my worst, but they also see me at my best. They see me when I get a hold of God, and I cry out, and I close the door, and they could hear me crying, but they know I'm getting a hold of God. That's what I need to make sure that I'm giving them. I need to make sure they know how to get close to God's heart. Because if they're close to God's heart, then God will take them the rest of the way. Right? Yes, I need to encourage them. Yes, there's so much that I need to pull out of them. There's so much I need to do. We've got a lot of work. As, As parents, we've got a lot of work. But as long as we're the example of how to get a hold of Christ, the rest will fall into place. It starts By being obedient to God's Word. It starts when we spend time in His presence, when we get close to our leaders even. It starts when we can come under leadership, when we're able to humble ourselves. That's where the call starts. That's how we answer the call at times. Sometimes we just need to humble ourselves. Sometimes we need to be teachable again. Sometimes God needs to remind us that we were nothing without Him. Sometimes God has to just give me that picture of where I came from. And sometimes it's like, oh man, if everybody knew, man, I was lost, but God found me. I was a horrible. You would not want me in your home before, you would not trust me before. But yet, because of this ministry, I have a place. Because of the woman's home showing me and pouring into me and teaching me how to get a hold of God. Teaching me those disciplines. Teaching me how to fight in the spirit. Teaching me that you go to your word. Teaching me scriptures with discipline when I didn't want it. But yet, I got it. And it did something in my heart that now, today, I could still live it out. But I can't just, all oh, just live off of that time. No, I got to stay fresh. I got to stay in my word. Because if not, then somebody else is going to rise up. Don't get mad when the men's home takes a leadership position and not you. Don't get mad when a youth comes up, and they're a leader now, and not you. No, we can't. No. No, because God's calling his people, and it's up to us to answer. Up to us on a daily basis to answer. See, we're, we're game changers. This ministry is a game changer. My change happened there in the woman's home. This ministry specializes in changing and transforming lives. You see, we, I didn't just get saved. I got totally transformed, delivered, (laughs) spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-filled. I have a testimony to share. I have a life now. He gave me something. In 1967, it started. And then we were able to get, in 1981, here in Hayward, a work start here. For me, it was in 2001, when God delivered me, he set me free, and he gave me a purpose. But there's so many more souls out there. There's so many more hurting people out there. There's so much more that we need to do that are are stepping out. It takes our stepping out. Takes us living out of ourselves. And it's up to us to do that. Amen? So I'm just going to close right here in a word of prayer. And I pray that that minister to you. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing, God. Thank you for your word. We want to answer your call. We want to be sensitive to your voice. We want to hear from you. We want to keep our hearts open and remain teachable to you, God. We don't want to stop where we're at. We know we're just scratching the surface. Have your way here. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. How many of us are have an inheritance? I have an inheritance, and I'm not letting anybody get in the way of my inheritance. Amen. And so, um, man, that was such a powerful word. When you, when you actually read the story, it does talk. It does kind of sound like VO women, right? Because we don't let people bully us around, right, Cecioli, right? If somebody were to taunt you or push you, you wouldn't just sit back and be like, hey. You'd be like, oh, oh, oh you want to push me, huh? You want to push me? That's how we need to be for our inheritance, for the vision. And what God has given our, our parents, our spiritual mama and papa, our founders, what God has given them, it belongs to us. And as we take that inheritance, we got to run with it. And, but, but you know why? It's because there's other children. There's another generation wanting to inherit that promise with us. Amen? Amen. And then last but not least, our last speaker, she's a beautiful woman of God. And I met her several years ago, and I had the privilege to disciple her um, and bring her under my wing. And um, she is from San Francisco, the Mission District. She's uh, she loves Jesus. She loves she says I love my church. Um I love Victoria Rich Heart of the Bay. I have a handsome husband. How many of us love our husbands over here? How many of us think our husbands are the most handsome husband? <laughs> she says she has a handsome husband, two beautiful daughters that she loves with all her heart, and she is a daughter of the most high king. And let me tell you, this woman is a powerhouse. She's an intercessor. She's a discipler. She learned what I gave her. She took that, and now she's applying it, and she's running with this vision. She's running with discipling other young women. And I'm just so blessed to see her just blossom and grow and just continue to become the woman of God that she's becoming. And so I want to give a warm hand to Cynthia Navarro. Amen. (laughs)
3: I'm a little nervous, but first and foremost, I just want to thank God. I want to thank Jesus for just coming here to die on the cross for me. I'm just so grateful for what He has done in my life. I'm just so grateful because I was just really lost. I was really, really lost in the city of San Francisco before He came into my life and changed me. And I want to thank my pastor. Pastor Devon and Sister Chella, thank you for this opportunity. I thank God that I have pastors with vision, that they move and they run, and I just want to catch up to them. I want to run with you. And I know the women here are ready to run with you too, and, um, and the men here as well. And I just want to thank you guys. I want to thank Sister Chella. Thank you for pouring so much into me. I want to thank Thea Gina for teaching me how to fight teaching me how to use my word, teaching me how to pray, and even Sister Chella for teaching me to just really get into my word and pray. I just really thank the women that have poured into me. I thank Sister Bev. She is like the mom of this house. Mama Chella, she's our mom, but Sister Bev is too, and I could just feel her spirit around me, and I just, I thank you, Sister Bev, for being such an example to me as as a woman of God, and even your marriage just speaks volumes to me. And um, I want to thank uh, my husband for loving me through everything. My children, who I love very much. I love my family. Um, I do everything for them. I, I fight for them. I stand in the gap for them because I know that God has the calling for my marriage. And I know that God has the calling for my children. And I just thank God for them. And um, I thank God for each of the women here as well. I love you guys. You guys are my battle partners. I l- love each and every one of you for, for different reasons. And so if we can just um, bow our heads down and pray. Father God, we just come before you tonight, God. And God, I just thank you, Lord, for who you are, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in each and every one of us, for what you're doing, God, in this new season, the season of fruit, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified, God. I pray, Lord, that you would just have your way tonight. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So women's convention was powerful. It was, um, the vision was spoken, but there was one scripture that um, really stood out to me, and that is in Proverbs 29, 18. 19. The King James Version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. A servant will not be corrected by words, for though he understands, he will not answer. And on um, the NLT Version, it says, um, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful, Words alone will not discipline a servant. The words may be understood, but they are not heeded. So um, at Women's Convention, vision was spoken. The beautiful vision of Victory Outreach International, the vision was imparted. It was deposited into our hearts. It was transmitted. You could feel the, the presence of God It was so personal. God was dealing with each and every one of us in such a personal way. And I remember coming into the ministry and falling in love with the vision. I thought to myself, wow, such a beautiful vision, such a God-given vision. I remember striving to catch the vision because I heard the saying, vision is not taught, it's caught. Once I caught it, I ran with it. I couldn't wait to tell all my family. I couldn't wait to tell my friends. I couldn't wait to tell strangers what God had done for me, what Jesus had done. And I said, if God can do it for me, he can do it for you too. And I remember running and running and running. But as time went by, I began to forget. And that is what God spoke to me at the convention. I began to forget. As the trials came, my vision got blurry. I found myself praying more about my own desires and what I wanted God to do for me and for my family than for the souls that God had entrusted me with. We get so caught up in our life. We get caught up in the normal life syndrome. We go to work. We take care of our children. We do our wife duties. There are so many things that pulls us away from God. And, and But the enemy is so sneaky the way that he comes in. He knows that if he can't take us out, then he will begin to neutralize us, to live in the normal life syndrome, to not make an impact, to not be effective. And I remember myself getting there, and I thought because, oh, I'm serving God, but not knowing that there were souls entrusted to me that I had to reach. Like someone reached out to me. And so I, for, I began to forget. I forget the very purpose of me on this earth. I forgot the call. I started to neglect the vision. And so as I began to neglect the vision, as I went to women's convention, God was really speaking to me. God really had to speak to me and, and just impart that vision into me again to let me know that this vision was made not just for you but for so many others that are still out there. That are, There's still others that are out there hurting. There's another Cynthia out there that is lost in the city of San Francisco, in the city of Oakland, in the city of Hayward, in the city of Union City, in all our surrounding cities. There's still women and men out there that are waiting. Their hearts are open. But we, our vision has been blurred. And so we don't go out of our ways to let them know that there is hope. And God had to come in and deal with my heart and tell me and, and show me. And he, he began to show me who I was before he came into my life. He began to show me where I was. Oh, he began to tell me, oh, it was easy for you to stand on a block, rain or shine, but now it's hard for you to go and tell these souls that I am here, that I have hope for them, that I'm willing to save them. God had to deal with me, and even God began to show me faces. Even faces of friends, faces of family members, faces, you know, and I began to think about it. Even before at the, at the, um, the women's um, discipleship, how one of the sisters said, when was the last time that you went into your pit? When was the last time that you went to reach them? And I had to think. But God began to show me those faces. And I began to repent and say, sorry, Lord, that I've forgotten. Like they said at women's conventions, some of us have gotten too dignified. Some of us have forgotten where we came from. Some of us have forgotten where God had pulled us out from. But God has not called us to be dignified. God has called us to go into a hurting people and reach out to them. And let them know that Jesus saves. And as I was there, as the vision was imparted, I started to fall in love again. I started to understand just everything, what God has given us, not even just for for the victory I reach as a ministry. I was so happy to be able to even meet everyone in United We Can, be able to meet each Pastor's wife that is out there on the mission field that have laid their lives down. That have laid their lives down. They have taken, they have taken their their families and they have gone with their husbands to fulfill that vision. And I said, Lord, they were regular, they were just normal women like me. If you could do it for them, Lord, you could do it for me, Lord. Do what you have to do, no matter what the cost, no matter the pain that I have to go through, Lord. But Lord, I pray, I pray that this pain would become purpose, that this pain would become vision, Lord. And, as, as, and as, we be, as we continued, I began to even think of our church, the vision for our, for our own church. I began to think of how Pastor Steve passed the baton to his son. And now Pastor Stevan is running with the vision. I began to think about Pastor Steve and Sister Josie as their trailblazers. Pastor Stevan and Sister Chela, you know, they're the pioneers who came to Hayward with a the vision. Their vision was not only local, but it was global. Even when it wasn't heard of, Pastor Pastor Steve said, I'm going, I see South Africa. Let's go scout the land. He wasn't only thinking local, but he was thinking global. He was thinking there's more people to reach than just my own city. And then I believe that as Pastor Steve was answering that cause, he saw that vision He saw a girl like me lost in the city of San Francisco, and he knew that he could not give up. He knew that he could not throw in the towel. He knew that no matter what, he had to keep on running because a girl or a man and a woman that was lost was going to come in here and make this church their home church. And he saw them. He saw us. Before we even made it here. And because of this vision, he didn't give up. He didn't give in. But they kept on running to fulfill the vision of V-O, heart of the bay. And if we turn to Habakkuk 2-2, the word of God says like this. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tablets, that he may run that readeth. Pastor Steve and Sister Josie internalized the vision because they knew that once we caught it, we would run with it. So I'm telling you today, don't lose hope. Don't give in, but continue to run. There is a legacy that is to be fulfilled. And each of us here have something to give. We all have a gift. We all have a purpose. There's something in us. And that is the reason why we are here. Because we are to fulfill this inheritance, the promise, this city that God has given us. We can come from all different cities, but this is the city that God has given us to inherit. And the third key is, the third, I mean, the, the second thing is passion. If you turn your Bibles to Psalm 37, 34, it says, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. And there was also another verse that I really loved, that Sister Cindy Punt read at the Women's Convention. And she that was the message that, Really spoke to me. And, and, and it's in Isaiah 49, 49, chapter 4, yeah, chapter 49, verse 8. And it says like this At just the right time, I will respond to you. On the day of salvation, I will help you. I will protect you and give you to the people as my covenant with them. Through you, I will reestablish the land of Hayward. And assign it to its own people again. I will say to the prisoners, come out in freedom. And to those in darkness, come into the light. They will be my sheep grazing in green pastures and on the hills that were previously bare. They will neither hunger nor thirst. The searing sun will not reach them anymore. For the Lord in his mercy will lead them. He will lead them beside cool waters. And that just spoke to me so much. Because as I, as she read this, I thought about our church. I thought about the city. I thought about how it says here. I will say to the prisoners, come out in freedom. And to those in darkness, come into the light. But it's going to be through us reaching out to them. Sister Cindy Punt's message was so, it was just so intentional. She said that, Victory Outreach is only in 20 countries. There is 195 countries in the world. We have 175 countries to go to. She said there's 300 million drug addicts, 12 million people injecting drugs, 1.6 mil of them are living with HIV, 6.5, 6.1 mil with Hep V, and 2 mil living with both and she one thing that spoke to me that she said is, "Sometimes we shed blood, sweat and tears for things we need them, for things we need than for the souls we are supposed to reach. It's time for us to get on our knees. It's time for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and go out there. Don't be scared to reach out, whether we're at the grocery store, wherever we're at. Just reach out to them. They may not look like they're hurting, but really inside, they really are. And they're looking. They're looking for an answer. And we have the answer. We have the legacy. We can make room for them in this church. We can embrace them. They can catch the vision the same way that we caught it. We just have to make priority. Souls have to be our priority don't get caught up in the trial don't get caught up in your normal life don't get caught up in the battle sometimes we're at battle we're battling so hard but the enemy is coming from behind from the back door and he's starting to blur our vision he's starting to steal it he steals it and he neutralizes us but today is the day to say no more I'm going to fight for my city. I'm going to fight for my people. I'm going to fight for my family. And I just thank God for this awesome ministry. This awesome ministry that made a way, that paved a way for someone like me. Someone who was lost and bound. And I pray every day that we would take it intentional. That we would pray and that we would ask God. God, bring someone to me today who needs, a, who needs restoration, who needs salvation. But bring them to me today, Lord. Let, their, cross, let their, their paths cross mine. And Lord, and I just thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for what he's doing. Like they told us at, at, at convention that the valley has been raised up. And now we're in the season of fruit. But are we making room for the fruit? Are we going to embrace them? Are we going to love them? Are we going to make room for them in our ministries? We need to be intentional. And I just thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for what he's doing. I feel such a unity in the women here. I feel such a unity. And every day we pray, Lord, let's continue to march. Let's continue to take this city for you, the city that you have given us. It doesn't matter if I came from San Francisco, but this is the city where God brought me. He brought me here because he knew there's a calling for you. There's a purpose for you. Don't lose sight. But keep your eyes on me. And as, as Jesus says, just keep your eyes on him. And don't forget. Don't forget where you came from, but be grateful. Be grateful. Be intentional with the legacy that we have here in this church. And we just, I just want to bow our heads. If we could just bow our heads and pray out. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the word that you have imparted in each and every spirit here, Lord.